0: turn to John chapter 6 for our text for this morning's message. been preaching through the book of John, John chapter 6, and I want to go to uh, verse 21 and verse 22, excuse me, and I want to read down to verse 36. Verse 22 to verse 36. If you follow along while I read, remember now the Lord Jesus has just uh, uh, delivered the disciples across the sea after the great uh, storm arose, and he's walking on the water, and he immediately they're at the land, and and um, they were uh, received safely there, and the Lord uh, t- uh, took care of that. Now in uh, verse 22, we we start a, the a discourse that our Lord ties the two miracles together and gives the significance of them spiritually as we go down through the remainder of the chapter. And in verse 22, the day following when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that uh, there was none of the boat there save that one where into His disciples were entered and that Jesus went not uh, with His disciples into the boat but that His disciples were gone away alone, albeit there came other boats from Tiberias. That's across the sea from where they were standing, where they were, uh, from Tiberius, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that, the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither disciples, uh, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum, seeking for Jesus. When they had found him not on the other side of the sea, uh, when they uh, found him not on the other side of the, when they found him, I'm sorry, on the other side of the sea. Uh, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed." And when uh, they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. They said, uh, Therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you, that, uh, gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger he that believeth on me shall never thirst, but I said unto you that ye also have seen me and believe not. The title of my message this morning is Seeing but Not Believing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that our eyes might be opened, that we might all understand the significance of the bread of life, that Thou art the bread of life. And Lord, for those here that haven't yet uh, taken of that bread, I pray that today they would come to Christ. and and receive you and believe on you and trust you in wholly with their heart mind and soul and i pray father that we would uh, be able to rejoice in people trusting as our savior today we pray for uh, those that already know christ as their savior that they would uh, that they would uh, be blessed by the fact that uh, we can we need never hunger never thirst again spiritually that you would meet our every need and that you will provide us all that we need provision for and that we need nothing more than thee I pray, Father, that you'd help us to rest in the comfort of knowing that whatever occurs in our life uh, after we're a child of God is in your hands and in your care. And so I pray, Father, that you'd help us as Christians to rejoice in that and to live that way. We ask your blessing on the reading of thy word now, and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. to John chapter 6, verse uh, uh, 25 through verse 36 there where we were, and, and seeing but not believing is the... Uh, Title of the the message today. The crowds there were there. They were, they'd seen the disciples get in their boat and go across. There weren't other any other boats around, and so, they'd seen Jesus go up the hill behind them um, from the shore. He'd gone up into the hills a little bit back in there, and uh, to pray. And so they'd seen that. Uh, they he just by the power of his word had dispersed them and told them, you know, uh, uh, to go. They didn't follow him up into the hills, but they did stay there apparently, and were. Figuring he'd come down the next morning, and uh, and it, it looks like all they were expecting was breakfast time the next morning, uh, because uh, we see some of the things he's said regarding that. But they didn't see him come back down the hills, and says where'd he go, and uh, and that, and uh, they realized that uh, you know they, there was no one on that side. The disciples had gone to the other side. Uh, there came some shipping over from Tiberius, which is directly across from where they were across the lake. Some shipping came in and and uh, you know did their business and so forth there on that side of the lake and so they made arrangements that crowd there got into the ships and the boats and they made their way back over to the other side they went to Capernaum and uh, and arrived there found Jesus there and he's uh, there he's in the synagogue and here the crowds gathered back together again they said where where were you how did you get over here and uh, uh, he he went across on the sea too but he didn't need to use the boat did he He walked on the water, and uh, he is there in that place in Capernaum. When you have the opportunity to go to uh, visit the the Holy Land, to go to to, uh, Israel, you're going to want to ask him to take you down to Capernaum, because you're going to be able to go there. They've excavated it all out now, and there you're going to be able to walk along the shoreline, going to be able to look up the hill a little bit, and you're going to see a synagogue there. It's uh, been reassembled to some degree. There's no roof on it or anything like that, but they've uh, replaced and lifted up to the pillars and some of the walls and such, and they've got it down to the floor that was originally there. Then, so you're going to go into the synagogue. You're going to be able to stand at the, on the floor of that very synagogue where Jesus was, and and you're going to be able to visualize the crowds in that place. A beautiful spot in the nation of Israel, a beautiful place to be, and uh, just a remarkable view as you look out there and the open areas down toward the Sea of Galilee and Imagine yourself there seated among that crowd waiting for Jesus to uh, to once again uh, perform a miracle and feed the 5000 again feed the multitudes again so that was kind of the situation but we discover something about this crowd that we suspected already and that was that many of them were uh, many of them were there for nothing more than the materialistic motives that uh, were revealed there as as we uh, read there as we saw In uh, verse 26 there, it says, uh, Jesus answered them and said, I say unto you, verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, not because you saw something remarkable, not because you uh, assumed that, that this man must be of God, not because you saw the miracles. He said, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You had your appetites addressed. And so that's why you have sought me the purpose that you sought me for was entirely a materialistic purpose. And so, um, you know, they were really thinking more of the free food uh, than they were of the giver of the free food. And that's where their focus was at. That's the focus of the materialist mind. Uh, That's the focus of the individual that's looking for something to get out of, uh, you know, uh, the Christianity and out of the Lord and out of, uh, you know, these things rather than looking at the person who the focus is supposed to be on. So I think it's helpful for us in our, uh, in our time that we had in the ministry and the music today to have been pointed time and again to the Savior and rejoicing in the Lord, crowning Him with glory and honor. And that wasn't happening here. They were just thinking, wow, that was great. You know, I ate all I wanted and I don't often get to do that. Uh, eat whatever I want. Many of you were raised like I was, uh, you know, uh, sort of on a shoestring budget with mom and dad in those days, and you didn't ever really feel like you got all you wanted to get filled up, you know. You got what was on your plate, and you finished the plate. We never, the poor dog never got anything in leftovers, you know. (laughs) Never got anything, just uh, the bones, you know. He got the bones, and that was about it. And uh, so he had to fend for himself, kill some lizards, kill some rabbits, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we cleaned the plate, and uh, some of you were, were uh, uh, remember that era of time where you just never really did get uh, too many opportunities to have all you wanted until you were said, "I'm full, I can't eat anymore." But that what happened to them that day, and they were just astonished at that. They were all just, "Wow, you know, I had all I wanted, and and if I'd wanted seconds and thirds and fourths and fifths, I could have got them." It was buffet style and all you wanted, and there were still left over, 12 baskets full. So they were thinking, wow, I want to see that again. But they're in their mind, obviously, it, it is so because our Lord Jesus Christ pointed it out to them. In their mind, they wanted just the opportunity to have some more free food. Now, any clear thinker of that era would have, would have said, you know, when he saw that miracle, thou art a teacher come from God. For no man does these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. That's what Nicodemus, the ruler, of the, Gentiles, the ruler of the Jews said when in John chapter 3 we saw Nicodemus' response. It was that his focus was on Jesus Christ, a man come from God. He understood that whoever he was, he was of God. Whoever he was, he had come from heaven. Whoever he was, he had powers beyond the powers that men have. And so Nicodemus thought clearly enough to get that He wasn't looking at just the results of the miracles. He wasn't looking at just the persons that were healed or the people that were fed. Uh, He wasn't looking at the needs that were addressed so much as he was looking at the one who had met those needs, the one who had addressed those concerns, the one who had healed the blind, raised up the dead. He was looking at him. Nicodemus was thinking clearly. I wonder if this morning you and I are thinking clearly and we're looking, our focus is on the Savior rather than on what the Savior can give to us. In this generation in which we live, in this era in which we live, of course, there are many who have that materialistic mindset, that materialistic view uh, of the Lord. What can I get from this? We have very popular today are the materialist preachers, the prosperity preachers. They're very prop, uh, they're Popular, They have tremendous followings, have huge congregations of people who come week after week and gather together to learn how they may become more prosperous themselves and how they may gain the more for themselves. The materialistic gospel preachers are very prevalent today and their focus is still on the bread instead of the giver of the bread. When life becomes defined by the filling of appetites, life loses its meaning and purpose. The filling of our appetites and going from one, uh, you know, one thing to another to another. And our life becomes like it was with Solomon who said, vanity of vanities. All is vanity as he looked under the sun. As he looked at life under the sun, that was his conclusion. Let's hold your place there and take a look to Ecclesiastes sometime. You go to Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes uh, and you'll find it there: Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, um, and um, I mean Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. You'll see it there. And, and go to uh, go to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter uh, two. Ecclesiastes chapter two, and look at verse one through verse eleven. Here's a man that had uh, gone that route, who who had said. I'm going to look at just satisfying everything I can think of to satisfy. Every appetite I have, I'm just going to give myself to that. And I'm going to see whether after satisfying every appetite I can think of, if my life really is well-rounded and full of purpose then. And so that's what Solomon had determined to do. I said in my heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. Behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. I said of mirth, what doth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself to wine, yet acquainting my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly that I might see what was that good for the sons of men, which uh, they should do under the heaven. All the days of their life, their purpose in life. See, I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees in them, all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. And I had also my great possessions great and small cattle, above all that were uh, in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me all the silver and gold, the peculiar treasure of the kings of the provinces, and got me men singers and women singers, and the delights of the sons of men, as musical instruments, and that of all sorts. I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem, and also my wisdom remained with me. I had all that, and I still had my God-given wisdom. And he said, Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them any appetite I had. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and all this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and all the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun." The whole of the book of ecclesiastes is solomon's determination that there's no profit and there's no purpose in life if all i'm doing is chasing my appetites and chasing down my desires and when i catch them i find that i have another desire in another place and when i catch that one i move to another and another until i've run out of all my appetites and determined that there is no purpose in my life My life is nothing but a vanity. You do not want to follow that uh, path, that example of Solomon chasing down your purpose in life by chasing after appetites. There's no no satisfaction there. And so it's a materialistic crowd that comes to Jesus. And now when they hear concerning labor and work, they're all of a sudden interested in saying, okay, uh, uh, if you're talking about uh, this uh, business of uh, not working for a material bread but working for spirit that which is spiritual, then tell us how we can do that. Tell us how we can, what work we need to do to work the works of God. How can we get in that level? How can we work the works of God and, and uh, get uh, up to that spiritual plane and earn that spiritual bread and earn that spiritual life? What are we going to do to do that? And so um, let's go back to John 6 and look at verse 27 and see it. And Jesus said as they looked at him and expected breakfast that morning and uh, he rebuked them because they saw the fulfillment of their appetites and the loaves and fishes and instead of seeing it in him and he says then in verse 27 labor not for the meat which perisheth but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life which the son of man shall give unto you do you notice what he said The Son of Man will give it unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. At the baptism of the Lord Jesus by John the Baptist, the seal of the Holy Spirit was placed on him. When a seal is stamped on something, it is affixed to something, it means it's authentic, it's verified. And uh, so the seal was placed on the Lord Jesus Christ here at the baptism there, and and Him who, that God has sealed. But He says uh, He says, labor not for the food that uh, you know is something to eat, but but uh, uh, there is one that's got something to give to you, and look to Him. And then they said they said, well, what what do we do that we might work the works of God? What do we do? What can I do? You might be here this morning and say, what do I do? In order to know I have eternal life, what do I have to do? Is there a certain list of things? If I do these things, I will be saved. Well, Jesus is trying to get it across to them that it's not what they do. It's what he had to give, you know. There's nothing nothing in my hand I bring, only to thy cross I cling, said the uh, psalmist as he wrote a song. And that's what Jesus is trying to get across to them here. They are looking for some things to do. They're like Naaman. Remember, Naaman comes to... Uh, Elisha, the little servant girl, had told uh, Naaman across the way in Syria that there's a prophet, a man of God, who can uh, can help you with the need that you have, the cure of your leprosy. There's a prophet of God who's got the power of God on him, and God will heal you if you go to him. And Naaman said, oh, give it a try. He comes to Elisha, remember the story? And uh, Elisha didn't even answer the door, you know. He sends a servant out to this uh, this great military leader, this captain of a host there there in Syria, and he sends uh, his servant out to to Naaman, and he says, Servant, go tell Naaman to go into the Jordan, muddy Jordan River, and dip himself, and he'll be healed. And Naaman's just aghast at this. He said, What? Uh, First of all, you know, it can't be that simple. (laughs) And secondly, that's a dirty, muddy river, and that's a humiliating thing for anyone to ask of me, the captain of the host of the Syrians, I'm a dignitary, I'm a man of means, I'm a man with money, I want to buy it, or I want, to tell, I want you to give me some difficult and hard series of things to go through that I can earn this, uh, this healing, and so that's his attitude, and so he's in a huff, He leaves. He leaves the place and says, Forget it. First of all, it can't be that simple. And secondly, I'm not going to submit myself to this prophet who hasn't even showed his face to me. I'm I'm out of here. And one of his wise servants, uh, you know, uh, gave him an elbow to the rib and says, Captain, think about what you're doing. Now, if the prophet had told you some, had given you some hard thing to do, wouldn't you have done it? And he said, yeah, I suppose I would have if you would give me some hard thing to do. I want works. I want something to do. I want to have something to do with my healing. I want to be able to say, I did this and I was healed. And so it is with many. I want to be able to say, this is what I did. And then God just was so impressed with me that He forgave me all my sins and He saved my soul because all this stuff I did, you know. I did all this good stuff. I read the Bible through and I went to church every day and I, I prayed for hours and I, you know, gave to the poor and I helped the homeless and I did this and I did that. And surely God by now really impressed with me and is going to just usher me into heaven. That's what Naaman wanted. That's what these thought would they would do. Lord, what must we do to, to work the works of God? How can we work this thing out? How can we work out? Uh, our our own salvation. How can we do that, Lord? How can we save ourselves? And so we have that. All other religions other than biblical Christianity approach it that way. They got their list of works that leads you to eternal life, you know. Islam says... Pray and fast, you know, and, and participate in Ramadan and, and uh, observe the, seven, uh, the five pillars of Islam and do all these things and then maybe you'll have hope, maybe you'll have hope. And then the, uh, the Pope says, do penance and do the, pray the rosary and say the mass and maybe you'll have hope. And the Hindu says, torture your body and live your life in self-denial and maybe you'll have hope. And the rabbi comes and says, keep the traditions of the elders and you'll have hope of eternal life. But Jesus says, I have something to give you that you have nothing to do with earning. (laughs) And that's the way it was there. They they were uh, interested in what they could do to get this bread that he was talking about that would give eternal life, and this bread that would mean they'd never hunger, never thirst again. Of course, in their mind, their materialistic mind, they're still thinking about, man, if I could get this kind of bread where you never got hungry... And I could get this kind of food where you never got thirsty. I wouldn't have to work anymore. <laughs> you know, uh, I could I could have a free ride. You know, it's the human nature. You know, we just uh, we look at what's in it for me and what's free and what can I get for not uh, for uh, no work involved in it. So that's where they were. They were just that way in every sense of the word. Then when Jesus comes along and puts it to a spiritual level and elevates it, there they. They begin to, to, uh, to make excuses and begin to doubt. Jesus revealed to them that there was nothing they could do at all that would earn it. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Here's the work of God. Just believe on me. Just believe on me. Oh, they, they didn't want that. They didn't want that. Here's the work of God. You just believe on me. And uh, our place is to believe and to receive the truth. That's our place. Our place is to simply receive the bread of life, just as those received the bread that was broken by his hand and placed uh, into the hands of the disciples and given to feed the 5,000. In the same way they received that carnal bread, that natural bread, that bread that would leave them again hungry in a few hours, In the same way, he said, you uh, are to receive the bread of life, to believe and to receive the truth. See, uh, to believe is not not a work of the flesh, by the way. The Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 makes that clear to us, says it this way, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So when you place your faith in Jesus Christ and his work that's already been done, the the sacrifice of himself on the cross, his burial and his resurrection, uh, all that's already been done for us. And when we place our faith in what Jesus has done for us and we believe what he said about that uh, and receive him as our Savior, the work is done. It's all done. Our our part is simply believe and receive. And it's a great thing about this is that God gives you the ability to believe him. And God gives you the faith to trust him. God gives you Everything. There's nothing in it that is a mix of anything we've got to bring to the table, you know. Uh, Nothing in my hand I bring, you know, nothing. Lord, I don't have anything to bring. I'm just coming, believing, and receiving. And our Lord Jesus Christ does all the hard parts, does the saving. So uh, it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. The natural man, though, desires to live by sight. He wants to see something. He wants to know. He wants to have the details. And so that's where these guys are at. In the, the, the passage we're reading, look at verse 32 again, verse 32, and Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he that cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And and they didn't they didn't want to see, you know, something supernatural. They didn't want to see really the miracle in the sense that, the, that it would point them to to God, they simply wanted some more bread. And in verse thirty, they're saying, "You know, you're talking about believing on Him who is sent." But, but they they said to Him in verse thirty, "What sign? Let's let's see a sign. What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? Where's the sign? Uh, we want to see another sign that we may see and believe thee." It's odd. It's breakfast the next morning. It's just the night before that they have seen the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And here already they're saying, well, what sign are you going to show us that we can believe you? You're saying believe you, but we don't really believe you. We want to see something. We want to see it again and see it again and see it again. And that's the trouble with living by sight. You have to see it and see it and see it and see it over again. And you still don't believe it. You know, you still don't believe it. Uh, The rich man in hell, when he lifted up uh, his voice and said, Lazarus, Lazarus, send... Someone to my brothers that they may uh, be warned and not come to this place and, and uh, raise someone from the dead. Bring someone back from the dead and let them warn my brothers that they, they get it and they don't come to this place of suffering. And Lazarus said, you know, if they, if they saw one rose from the dead, they still would not believe. Because they're living by sight and living by sight alone is always dissipating, always dissipating. So Jesus uh, is uh, communicating this truth to them here that they just simply need to move to a different plane uh, out of the out of the area of believing by sight and into the area of believing by faith in God, faith in God's word. And that's where we need to be. That's where we ought to be this morning. So uh, God requires that elements of faith in him and faith in his word, as we read it there, our part is to believe on him. Our part is to come to him, as verse 35 said it. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, never thirst. See, cometh to me. That's one of the reasons why we practice still in our church an invitation. You know, It's it's a biblical thing it has to do with, with us making a commitment to come, to, to take a step of faith and, and to come, you know, as a child of God, there's times where we ought to just come to the altar and, and say, Lord, I'm, I'm stepping out and responding. I'm coming to, uh, commit something to you. I'm coming to, uh, to refresh, uh, uh my, my walk with you. I'm coming to, uh, to, uh, to testify of you. And, uh, he, over and over again, he gives the invitation in the Bible, you know, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, the spirit, you know, and the bride say, come. Over and over again in the Bible, you read, come, 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 come. So it's invitation given. So to believe on him and to come unto him, you know, that's, that's it. That's our part. And you say, well, you know, the, is that something I do? Well, God gives you the ability to do that. Uh, he made it clear there that no man cometh to the Father except the except the Spirit draw him. We read it further down here. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. But the fact is, the Spirit of God right now is drawing you to Himself, is is calling you to Himself. And He says it over and over again, uh, you know, to, to all, to any that would come to Him. And so He's calling you just now to believe on Him, to come to Him and to receive Him as your Savior before He comes, for He is coming very soon. I doubt there's very many of you would say the world's getting better and better and better every day. You know, things are just getting improving. We're we're just about there. We almost got this thing figured out, you know. I don't think too many of us are thinking that in these days in which we live. We're recognizing that the world is, uh, you know, making a mess of itself by itself and of itself. And uh, that uh, the hope that we have is in Christ Jesus alone. So as a child of God, we're looking forward to His coming, you know. And he says, Behold, I come. And so we're looking forward to that day. It'll be a cloudy day. I come with clouds. So uh, if the clouds aren't there when he comes, he'll make them there. He'll put them there. He'll put them there when he does come. So, uh, you know, uh, tonight we're going to sing about a song. Uh, we're going to sing a song called The Unclouded Day. And, uh, but we're talking about a time when the clouds of, of uh, the shadows and the storm clouds are gone. That's the, that's the unclouded day. But we're looking forward to a cloudy day when Jesus comes again. Or he'll make the clouds on his way down, you know. Uh, and we're looking forward to that. But he'll come. He's waiting for you and, and wanting you to come to him before he comes to this world. For the time uh, that time comes, it'll be past the opportunity, the missed opportunity. And that's what I want to close with today is the missed opportunities that you see here. Look at verse 47 verse 48. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. It's very clear what the opportunity is, it's to receive him, to trust him as your Savior, to come to him. Very clear what the opportunity is, but, uh, but so many miss it. So many miss it. It's all inclusive, by the way. Uh, it, you know, the, uh, Mr. Calvin was wrong when he said God condemned most people to hell and only, uh, only is going to select a very few to, to go to heaven. Mr. Calvin was wrong. Don't follow Calvin, follow Christ, you know. Don't follow John Calvin, uh, follow Jesus Christ. John was 23 years old when he wrote his Institutes in Christian Religion, and he wasn't very wise all of his life, but he was very unwise at 23 years old to uh, write a theological treatise that so many millions of people have been deceived by. So don't follow John the Calvinist, you know. Follow Jesus the Christ. You know? And uh, that's what we're talking about here. We, uh, we see here that he makes it clear that, uh, that any, any, uh, all, that all he desires all to come to repentance. And, and, uh, and if any would, would eat of the bread, he would uh, live forever. It's an inclusive thing. See verse 51. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man, if any person, if any man eat of this bread... He shall live forever. The bread that I give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life is the sacrifice life, uh, the sacrifice body of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That That's the bread of life, to partake of Jesus Christ's death and burial and resurrection, to trust Him as your Savior. That's what we're talking about. Don't miss the opportunity, and it can be missed by pride. Verse 41, the Jews murmured at Him because He said, verse 41, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They murmured, and their pride got in the way. The intellectual debaters missed it by their debates in verse 52, you see it, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, big debate going on, the Jews strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat, and they were all bothered about that, how in the world is that going to happen, is he some kind of a cannibal or something like this, and, and they didn't get it, they didn't get any, understand at all the spiritual application that he was making it, there in that passage, they didn't get it at all, and so there's a big debate, an intellectual debate going on, and they missed it, and then there's the dependence on the strength of the flesh, in verse 63, the spirit uh, that quickeneth, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh, prophetess, nothing. You know, all the fasting you can do, all the works you can do, all the good stuff you can do, all the poor you can help, all the hungry you can feed, all the mission trips you can go on is the flesh, prophetess, nothing. You know, as far as eternal life is concerned, it is the spirit that quickeneth. The Holy Spirit of God gives life through the uh, power of his word and the work of Jesus Christ. See, that's what I'm talking about. And so uh, we, don't to, uh, we don't want to let the dependence on the flesh keep us from Christ. And then uh, the opportunity is missed by repeating, uh, repeatedly rejecting the influences of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 44. It's very sobering. Verse 44, no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. The Spirit of God is right now drawing you to Himself. He's saying, "Come," you know. He's saying, "Come to Him." He's saying, "Trust Him as your Savior." The Spirit of God is drawing you right now, but it won't always be that way. You know, the day will come when God says, um, "Ephraim uh, uh, is a cake not turned. Let her alone. Let her alone." And so the time will come when that drawing will not uh, continue. But for right now, right here, today, it is. The Spirit of God is drawing you uh, to Himself if you're not yet uh, born again. and So come and trust Him as your Savior today. Look at verse 64 and 65 again. There are some of you that believe not. There are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who there were that believed not, who should betray Him. And He said, Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto Me except it were given him of the Father. God knows everyone that's saved. He knows everyone that's going to be saved. He knows already if you're going to trust Jesus as your Savior or if you're not. He knows already if you have or you have not. He knows all of that because he's outside the boundaries of time and he sees the end from the beginning. He sees it all. So his foreknowledge dictates his ability to determine, to to tell who's saved and who's not. So, you know, it's just his foreknowledge. He knows it all already, but he still leaves the the opportunity to come to you. And it's uh, within your will uh, that you make that decision. So uh, come and trust him today. The the door won't always be open. You know, in Genesis 6 and 3, he said to that generation, he said, my spirit shall not always strive with human flesh. My spirit will not always strive with flesh. My spirit's not always going to convict and always going to be there and always going to be knocking on the door. One day, the spirit of God is going to leave that door and leave it closed and walk away and Uh, My spirit will not always strive with man. Judas found that out, didn't he? We read about Judas at the end there. He spake of Judas Iscariot, uh, Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that would betray him, being one of the 12. Jesus already knew that Jesus would betray him. Judas didn't know that yet. And Judas had chance after chance after opportunity after opportunity, even up to the very betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus offer him a forgiving word but Judas did not receive it but you read about Judas he, he did repent he was repentant he had sorrow for his sins he was repentant he prayed he sought forgiveness but all of it was too late because he crossed the line he went past that place you know and all of it was too late he uh, he the bible says he repented of it. he repented himself of what he did he went in, uh, to the to the uh, high priest and he threw the money that he'd gained for the betrayal on the floor there and went out and hanged himself it was all too late for judas but it's not too late for you it's all too late for the citizens of the world in Noah's day, because all of them were very sorry for their sins and all of them were very sorry for mocking his preaching and all of them were very sorry for what they had done and how they had lived their lives only unto themselves and all of them were repentant and all of them desired help and forgiveness and deliverance but none of them got it because the ark's door was already shut and Jesus, and Moses had preached his last sermon and there wasn't any more time and the floods came uh, over them. So, uh, you know, they had all the right ingredients they had the sorrow they had the they didn't have pride anymore they had no there were no pride in drowning you know uh they were desiring to be saved they had all the stuff all the elements that needed to be there were there but uh too late too late so seeing and believing is where it's at not not seeing and then rejecting, but seeing and believing. God opens the eyes of the blind. He also, for us that are saved already, He helps the believer to see clearly the direction that God wants his life to go and the purpose in his life. God shows you all of that as a child of His. All those things are for us. They're for us. Give a purpose in our life, meaning in our life. Uh, Give us the, the sense that God's purpose is being worked out in us and we have a reason to be here and we're not just, you know, like Solomon got, saying vanity of vanities, all is vanity under the sun. I <laughs> don't want to be there. don't want to get there. So, Christian, you come and, and uh, do business with the Lord. If you're here and you've been saved but you haven't been baptized yet, uh, Miss Kim is going to follow the Lord Believer's Baptism today. Maybe someone else has been saved already, and, you know, you know, I need to get baptized the next time we uh, uh, baptize, and even next Sunday, you uh, you're obviously not prepared this morning for baptism but you ought to come and just say preacher i i want to do that too i want to follow my lord i'm saved and i trusted jesus as my savior but i haven't been baptized scripturally i want to do that so i encourage you to come and and make that commitment jesus is saying to you come and then if you're here and you haven't trusted jesus christ personally yet you may have been raised in church like i was you know you may have been gone to church for years like i did and may have been a member of a youth group like I was, you know. You may have had a youth pastor or, you know, youth leaders like I did. And and all that time, never knew Christ as my Savior, you know. And you may be like that too. Uh, but uh, you all need to come. And, and you know if the Spirit of God is drawing you, you know. Uh, if the Spirit of God is now talking to your heart and saying, Come, and uh, you believe me, come and receive me. Come unto me. And so I want to encourage you to make that uh, step of faith and come. If it's a lady that comes or a teen uh, girl, will have a lady that will show you out of the Bible uh, how to call on Christ and how to know you're saved, how to, how to, uh, how to receive him as your Savior. Like you said, you know, how to receive him. You believe him? Yes, that's good. But receive him now as your personal Savior and be born again. That's, that's what uh, we want you to do. And then if you're, you're here and um, uh, you need a church home, you feel like this is where God wants you to serve, uh, you come and, and uh, present yourself for membership. And we receive members and we'll uh, get uh, you some information and show you what that means, and so you do that. Maybe you're here and you just need to come and pray. You've you got uh, someone else on your heart, maybe, uh, and that's a burden you have. So you come and use the altar as a place to pray. That'd be a good thing, too. Let's stand together and bow our heads. We're going to have a word of prayer. So stand together. I'm going to give a verse of invitation, a few verses, and encourage you to come. Come and trust Jesus as your Savior if you haven't been saved yet, and then uh, if you have, Christian, let's uh, Let's do business with the Lord. We'll have a word of prayer, and after we pray, we're going to sing 543, and uh, step right out when we begin to sing. Uh, step right out and come. I'll meet you at the front here, and uh, we'll we'll uh, have someone to show you out of the Bible. The answers to your to your needs. Shall we, Father? We ask your blessing on each one here. We pray that you'd help us, Lord, as Christians to to uh, to come to uh, the place where we never look to what we can get and, and what uh, material things we can benefit from our relationship with you, but that we always put our focus upon thee. And uh, then, Lord, as Christians, we pray that you'd open our eyes to be able to see your direction for our lives and how you want us to live and what you want us to do and where you want us to be and what you want us to work at and all those things. We need help all the time with those things, Lord. And so as Christians, we are praying for your uh, help as you open our eyes to, to, uh, guide, to guide us. And then, uh, Lord, I pray for those that uh, are here that haven't yet been born again that uh, today they would come and uh, confess you as their Savior and be, and be saved. Lord, I pray you would um, you would just guide those that need to need to come and trust you. In Jesus' name, Amen. With our-